Hey, it's Bill Simmons, and the Ringer NFL Show has you covered for all your pro football needs. Sunday night, get Michael Lombardi and Tate Frazier's rapid reactions on GM Street. On Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL Show with Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and regular guest Danny Kelly break down all the biggest angles on Wednesday. GM Street again on Thursdays. Clark, Mays, and Danny are back at it again. And on Friday, GM Street's Friday Focus gives you all the insight you need for gambling and everything else. Don't forget about my podcast, too, on Mondays. The BS Podcast, Cousin Sal and I playing Guest Alliance. More importantly, The Ringer NFL Show. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball is very good. The Raptors are the best team in the East. Phil Jackson actually saved the Knicks. Mark L. Foltz will be an all-star next year. Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It is group chat. It's Thursday. It's the dystopia. (laughs) And Fury Road only goes to Oakland. We are living, what is this, 12 hours? Since the bombshell story that was Chris Haynes' report that LeBron James would consider going to Golden State if they could make max room for him, Justin Verrier, Haley O'Shaughnessy. I am also considering. I'll consider it. Going to Golden State. Can they? They, they got to get clear out that max room though. I they feel gotta get rid of. Yeah, Clay and I mean, I'm obviously you. very expensive. I feel like this is rumors ayahuasca I'm on right now. I know. I'm just on another plane of living. So. Mixed reactions to this rumor <laughs> among <laughs> among Ringer staffers. I think I was a little bit, uh, I had seen Hostels yesterday. And, you know, I was thinking a lot the about- The movie Hostel? Yeah, or? Hostels okay. With, okay. with Christian Bale. Um, and I was thinking a lot about how we got where we are as America. Um, so when I got home and Chris Haynes hit me with this, I was a little, <laughs> I was a little punchy. You were like, not today, Satan. What was your reaction when you heard this rumor? I- don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't believe it from either sides because it, first of all, it didn't sound like the Warriors had any idea this was happening or that they were interesting, interested or pursuing it. And I don't see this as something LeBron would ever do. Maybe he would take the meeting. It's close to Napa. You know, he loves wine, but I don't, I don't think either sides would ever do this. I think he'd consider it. I think, I think it's like completely within the realm of possibility. He left once. It's like, he went to Miami, you know, like they did, they did all the stuff in 2011 that seems like ancient history did happen. That being said, I think immediately when you see a story like this, Justin, you have to think why, why this story? Why now? Who does it impact? So sure. who do you think is the intended receiver and reader of this story? I think the big one, and we've been talking about this ever since, is Dan Gilbert. I think this is, might as well have been just an email directly like BCC'd to him. Yeah. Simply because like ESPN even put out a piece today from Bobby Marks explaining how this would happen. And in, as you alluded to, uh, they couldn't really clear the cap space for LeBron to sign him outright uh, unless they like whittled their roster down to five people, one of whom is a first-round draft pick that isn't even there. Yeah. And thus, you would need a sign-in trade to get him to Golden State, which would need Dan Gilbert's sign-off. Yes. So this, there's no possible way that it can happen. And so it pretty much says to Dan Gilbert, look, I'm thinking about the other team that has pretty much been like kicking your ass in the finals the past few years. I feel like Dan Gilbert would sooner trade him back to Miami than trade him to Golden State. I don't know. Miami almost took their third seed last <laughs> night. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, any other thoughts on this? It would involve apparent according to the Chris Haynes' report, it would involve Clay and Draymond going to Cleveland and Kevin Durant taking less than the maximum amount of money. First of all, there, why would you mess with this? We're all like, oh, maybe two, three years from now, this Warriors team won't exist. But why would you mess with it right now? You've already beaten LeBron yeah. in the finals. You're going to beat this LeBron team in the finals. Yeah, I don't see any reason for it to happen. Also, we know for a fact LeBron is not going to take a pay cut. If he would have, he would have done it this year because his, his roster needs it. Yeah. He needs someone else. Yeah, my thoughts more trail toward just like the the reporting end of this. Yeah, and just like how this ended up happening. Just because I'm sure, like Chris, you alluded to that there is some nugget of of scuttlebutt to this. Uh, but the logic in order to get to like where we are now is just so kind of bizarre and warped that I don't know like how this ended up getting published. It's essentially if X happens, then Y, 
but the Warriors aren't considering X. And so it's just a complete like yarn ball of right. like the, the the thing that jumped out to me on this story, I think you're right about everything except for the part of there's a couple of key lines in here. James's distant relationship with Cavs owner Dan Gilbert is well chronicled. So that's sure. shot number one. And then there's also to James and his business team have been known to cover structure, lol. <laughs> With Golden State and ultra-aggressive general manager and Bob Myers, the ownership group as a whole, and Steve Kerr are the epitome of that. So it's very much a love letter to Golden State's structure and a shot at Cleveland's chaos. The crazy thing is, is that I think LeBron is equally responsible for the chaos in Cleveland. I mean, I know that Dan Gilbert is an nincompoop, and I know that that there's always this chaos, and he didn't re-sign David Griffin, and they, they allowed the Kyrie situation to get out of hand. But part of the reason why there's so much tension always surrounding the Cavs is LeBron. Like, he is an agent of chaos to some extent. Yeah, but in his defense, wouldn't you be super frustrated? Over the summer, the one move that they made was like, let's resign Kyle Korver. And he's been good for them, but you can't just not supply him other guys around him. And they signed play him 38 Derek minutes Rose and a night. Dwayne Wade, though. Like, yeah, exactly. Those are LeBron it's, moves, those are like exactly. moves to satisfy oh, him. Uh, Okay, true. But as a front office, you have to have more sense than your star player. Yes. I'm sorry. LeBron but they is... didn't have a front office. They had Dan Gilbert. True. Yeah. True. yeah I mean, it's, and it's his fault. Yeah. It's Gilbert's fault. Yeah. I think it's there are no winners here, and it just looks completely ugly for both sides of it. I, I do wonder how much the casual fan it, like reads into it as much as we do. Like Maybe because we're just so far deep into this, we see the like the <laughs> strings being pulled from... LeBron and and just kind of like the marionettes of that the Cavs have become. Uh, I do wonder, like, if you're just Joe fan, do you still have a high opinion of LeBron? Do you see this like side of him? And uh, I was listening to Lee Jenkins on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day, and he made a good point simply because he'd been around LeBron for a while, and he still thinks uh, the 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 average fan would be affected if LeBron left Cleveland. I don't know like how much LeBron's camp is thinking that, and how much that would how really so? affect his legacy. Just that like. While we see that he went there as much for Kyrie Irving and for Kevin Love and to compete for titles still when the Heat were kind of on a downslope, that the story of him going there and saving them is still a big deal. And I wonder if that would affect his branding and thus his legacy at large. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know if Adam Silver could stop LeBron James joining Golden State, but I don't think that fans would love it. Yeah. No. There's an extent. Obviously, I think fans that their super it. teams have an allure. But this would be a little bit out of hand. I would just say, let's sim the regular season then, you know? Right. And I understand what you're saying, Justin, about maybe the average fan not caring for LeBron as much if he left. Because it was very much a heroic, I'm going to go back to Cleveland, I'm going to win a title. But I also think that's why LeBron and his team are planting these little seeds, and they have been all season. You know, oh, they didn't resign the GM I loved. And then, you know, they didn't get the guys I need around me. So we've seen this all season where it's like, I even think that the average NBA fan, average LeBron fan is thinking they're not doing enough for him. Yeah. Of course he's going to leave. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting shadow war of subtweets and planted stories and narrative shaping. And if LeBron is going to leave, this is paving the way. There's been a lot of a lot of these stories where you'll get a Woj story that's about the chaos in Cleveland and never mentions LeBron in the story, is something that you have to say is, oh, well, we should have seen the signs. When he leaves for Houston or Philly or the Lakers or whoever, we'll all go back to those pieces and say, like, see, Isaiah Thomas was a terrible idea. You know, like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. All right, we don't have to belabor this too much. Obviously, um, I think the next chapter of this story will be all parties involved miserably answering questions about this in press conferences. So I'm looking forward to that personally. Let's do a little check-in on some... Another tra- Comic Sans yeah, letter, exactly. perhaps? exactly. I hope so. Uh, let's do a little bit of a check-in on some of the trades and trade rumors. Now, as we are recording, the Nikola Miritich to New Orleans deal has gone through, correct? According Seems to like it, yep. Uh, that had almost happened earlier in the week and then got tripped up because of... The second year of Miritich's deal. Right, which the Pelicans did not want to guarantee, Correct. Correct. Right, and well, that's why. Yeah, it was ahead. really it was a really confusing process where uh, they just didn't want it on their books essentially. Okay. And did they get out from under Omer? Uh, they did indeed. What a world! I cannot believe it. Every uh, as soon as Garpax makes me think 
damn, they got three good young players. They're really pulling it all together here. And it's like, nope, you guys just traded for Omer. <laughs> I know that his deal is like not as poisonous as we kind of assume it is, but it's just nuts. It's so, still an extra year plus like three million guaranteed on the third year. So it, it is a lot. Is that all the trade was? Uh, yeah, Omer, uh, a first, and I believe that's it for Meritage. That's a lot. That's a lot to get eliminated in the first round. Yeah, I mean, first, I mean. <laughs> and this is what we've been talking about all week is that it does feel like the Pelicans have stopped like the facade that they're going for titles anymore. Yeah. It's just that everyone is all in on the playoffs. Not only do they need it to probably appease Anthony Davis, but also to save everyone's jobs. Guys, GMs are getting bad again. <laughs> this is I was thinking about this last night and then this morning reading Zach's piece uh, on ESPN about the Bucks, and um and then also listening to Rosillo talk about the Thunder. And it's not that Presti or any of these guys specifically are bad, but there is something to the idea that the contracts for these big, big stars, a la Blake, Russ in a couple of years, you know, when he's making $40 million, or if they want to keep that core together, which is what Rosillo was sort of going through the math, and he was like, it's $100 million for Adams, George, and Russ, basically, if mm-hmm. you want to keep all of those guys. That... It's going to force some of these GMs to make some really bad decisions. One of these guys is going to, you know what I mean? And this this Pelicans thing, which is essentially we cannot afford as a franchise to let Davis go because the smart thing would probably be to trade him for like the entire Boston full house, like whatever they can get from Boston, the two J's, a first, whatever it needs to happen. But they're going to keep trying to add Miritich's and they're going to re-sign Boogie on an Achilles because those guys are like, that's the path to getting to the sixth seed, the fifth seed. Right. I do think that now, before the trade deadline, GMs always look a little bit worse. Yeah. And with the Pelicans, DeMarcus got hurt. And we don't exactly know what they would have been, especially with the Pelicans doing something during the trade deadline, in addition to him being on the court and healthy. And it might look a lot better for them. Yeah, I, I think it, you look at the max contract and just kind of the d- dynamics of the league right now with the Warriors in place and some teams like the Warriors also kind of chasing them, you need frontline players mm-hmm. and those guys get the max. Now, the problem is we're seeing if a guy isn't an absolute max, if he's not Kevin Durant, if he's not Steph Curry, then it screws up your cap going down the line. If he's Blake. Right, because you look at some of the teams that traded stars this offseason. Paul George, uh, even the Clippers had a little bit of a dalliance there. Yeah. Jimmy. Yeah, Jim, yeah Jimmy, the Bulls yeah. have been feisty at the very least, and they look long-term in better position. If, you don't, if your guy isn't worth the absolute max... Uh, I think it's kind of screwing up like how your team is constructed because you don't have those other guys to fill in because it's no longer just the big three. It's literally a big five in Golden State. And in order to compete there, it's just it completely flips the dynamics to where where we are today. Right, right. And mediocre teams are signing those, you know, a little bit. Maybe they shouldn't be the max, but we're going to do it anyway because it could really push us ahead. And then they're realizing... Yeah, but we don't really have the money anymore to surround them with who we want. Well, we were th- I was thinking a little bit about Phoenix who allowed, you know, they bought out Greg Monroe or Greg Monroe took a buyout and probably gave up a lot of money to go to a playoff team. And I was thinking about how Greg Mon like they 2 years ago were all in on pairing Tyson Chandler with LaMarcus Aldridge. Right. And that was the plan. I mean, they wanted to be a player in Kevin Love. They wanted to be a player with Kyrie Irving. They wanted to get in on a lot of these trades. But Phoenix is an interesting case where I feel like their big swings have actually been doubles. And they then went all in on drafting a bunch of young guys. And we don't quite know what Marquise Chris or Dragon Bender is going to be yet. But as they get older, they look less and less, ooh, what a mysterious old talent. And it's more like, are they ever going to put it together? It's just a swing and a miss, though. Because look at all the teams that have focused on young talent. For some of them, it's working out. For the Bulls, maybe it will work out. For the Sixers, it worked out. But not for not every team that does it, is it going to work out? Yeah, and just to, to bow tie the, the Pelicans trade, apparently they're also getting a second and the rights to change seconds in 2021. The Pelicans are receiving that. Correct. But they're sending a first to Chicago. Hmm. Correct, and they're also hoping to clear a few more small roster spaces, uh, contracts for Greg Monroe still. Okay. Well, I mean, Miritich, Davis, Monroe, Drew. It's fine. They're, they'll probably they'll make the playoffs. 
They'll yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they'll, they'll save their jobs, especially if the Clippers get rid of DJ or Lou Williams. Yeah. Um, it. It's just interesting. They still don't have a lot of playmaking there, but like we just said, it, the bar to make the playoffs in the West is very low. Well, let's talk about let's talk about some of the other guys who might be on the move. DeAndre remains a Clipper as of a recording. <laughs> we have heard a couple of different DeAndre rumors flying around there. Uh, he had obviously been linked with Cleveland a little while ago. We're hearing some. Other Western Conference teams, I think, is, is fair to say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's another guy where it's like you're going to sign him. You're going to trade. if you, Whatever you trade for DeAndre, it either needs to be rental for rental or you have to have a really good sense that you're going to be able to re-sign DeAndre, which then gets to do you want to pay DeAndre Jordan $30 million or whatever it's going to be at 30 years old as a big man who still is a little spotty down the stretch of games. Yeah, and it's exactly what Justin was just saying. I don't think you should. Yeah, yeah. It, it really just speaks to how interesting not only the centers are in today's game, but just like where he is in his development. Like he's 29, I believe. He's never hurt until recently. And I don't know how much he's going to just push you over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what sort of team he really fits best with. I know the one thing that has been kicking around lately is just the Blazers as a potential destination. Neil O'Shea was part of uh, the the front office that drafted him, and, and he kind of built Lob City around those guys. And so I wonder if that makes any sense there. Uh, Nurkic, I don't know if they necessarily want to pay him long term. And so Portland, another place that has a bunch of guys that were interesting are now becoming not interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Vonleys, the Aminus, the, all these guys who they've kind of had on the books. And it's like, well, at some point we could package them all together with some picks and make a move for a bigger player. Right. They're... They're kind of getting more expensive and less less surprising. I want DJ to the Bucks. Okay. I do think that's a team that he could push ahead. Would you do Henson and Parker for that? Yes. Yes, I would. Because Henson is part of the issue mm-hmm. uh, that he could fix. Um, I think that they would be a team that could move forward with him too. This year, they're not really in great position. But they're not hiring a coach, so it doesn't look like they want to be in exactly like, let's make this giant push for the playoffs. But DJ Although could— Although they're kicking ass with Joe Prunty as their, as their coach. That's that guy. <laughs> I don't know if we should drop some Jason Kidd shade right now. <laughs> Go but, ahead, yeah. Uh, but I do think that they could trade for DJ, and then still it could be part of their plan moving forward. Yeah. I just wonder what— DJ is in the playoffs to a lot of these teams. And that's another part of like just where his value lies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin O'Connor brought up the good point that if the Cavs were to trade for DJ, historically, he hasn't played well against the cat against the Warriors, which is like the the big part of the whole reason you would get him. Uh, And I wonder if he can stay on the court in certain situations, not only the free throws, which have been better, but still might force him off in clutch situations. But if the Warriors are going full death lineup, like yeah, who, basketball gets smaller. Yeah. He's just like in the later later in the playoffs, you just start seeing these smaller and smaller lines. And he doesn't have any out, offense outside the paint. Right. I mean, his his game is just very much old school, so it's hard to combat small ball. Yeah, it just is for sure. I'm not sure if the big three of Bledsoe. DJ and Giannis like Giannis's potential is yet to be charted like I don't know how great he can be he can be a top three player a top five player he maybe he is a top five player right now but I don't know whether or not he can compensate for the for the things that DeAndre would 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 take away and that's that's the money if you pay if you pay Giannis Bledsoe and DJ that's your money, and everything else is complimentary in draft picks. Well, first of all, DJ would help them a lot on defense, which is maybe something we haven't talked about before. But also, maybe if I'm him, I know I'm turning 30. Jordan. Yeah. I would take a slight pay cut to play with Giannis. Would you rather play in Houston then, though? If you're no. talking pay cuts? No, I wouldn't because they have Clint Capella. Hmm. Yeah, he did get pushed around a little bit against like a team like the Pelicans, but then again, who has those type of guys? Right. Uh, a couple of the names who are still in the mix. Uh, Tyreek Evans, who has been held <laughs> out by the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, much This is like now we're, we're in the zone where guys don't play bowl games because they're going to declare for the NFL draft. Now guys aren't playing the week before the trade deadline because they will probably be traded. So Miritich had been held out. He got traded. Tyreek held out, will likely be traded. Some of the places in in the mix. Apparently, Memphis is asking for a one. So the teams in the mix for him include Boston, Philly, 
Who else has been mentioned? Nuggets. The Nuggets. There's like 30 others. Because teams. the Nuggets need another six <laughs> foot six guy who's not quite a point guard. Exactly. Right. Paolo's recap said Sixers, Thunder, Cavs, Heat, Rockets, <laughs> Celtics. So all the teams. <sighs> um, Boston sounds like, at least according to our fearless leader, the the in the pole position, they have all the pieces that you would need to make it work. Apparently, Danny Ainge has always loved Tyreek Evans as, sure. <laughs> as, as every good player ever. It's like, oh, Danny's always loved him. <laughs> uh, so that kind of brings me to the next section, which is Boston looming over this trade deadline, future trade deadlines. And there was something interesting about this Greg Monroe stuff where Greg Monroe got bought out. And it was like, well, the Celtics would be a good destination for Greg Monroe. Danny's always loved Greg Monroe, whatever. <laughs> is this the first time in, re- in the last four years, I guess, that you would, ra- if you're a veteran, you'd rather play for Boston than Cleveland? That's a good po- point. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right? I, yeah. To say nothing of the fact that Brad Stevens seems to automatically make people X amount better. Terry! <laughs> <laughs> Do they even need Tyreek if they have Terry? Yeah. Do they need Marcus Smart, too? Yeah, I, I think it just speaks to... One, Danny Age seems like he's on a hot streak and seems like he's ready to roll the dice again yeah. just to see if he can keep going. And also, I think they're in a really good position where if they get guys on short contracts that could help now, they have just expendable assets that they, that they can just burn. Like, who has that sort of war chest to be able to do it? And like we talk about Tyreek, yeah, it's ridiculous that so many teams view him as the answer. But he's also the only guy that I can think of that will help your team now is on a short enough deal where you won't have to match it with like huge salaries, where you won't have to give up someone who's potentially uh, a high value contributor like the Bucks, mm-hmm. as we've always said. Uh, and also, he's on a one year deal. He's, he's a literal rental, and there aren't that many guys like that anymore. Would you give up the first round pick that they are seeking for Tyreek? Not if I'm the Sixers, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Aren't this is what I'm Sixers? talking about. <laughs> no, but this is what I'm talking about is like. These teams that are in the bottom half of their conference brackets getting a little glue sniffy when it comes to what they need for the back half of the season. Now, is he a rental? Is he from Chester? Is it would it be kind of like, yeah, we could use a guy who could make his own shot? Like that's one thing that the Sixers really don't have. Do I would I give up a first for it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's just nuts. Like you can't do that. You're not there yet. So what what do you give up for him? The Sixers or anybody? The Sixers or, in, in a more broad sense, anybody. I think that the teams that, like, look, if you're Boston, and this is the sort of curious thing about Boston, because if Boston was the third or fourth seed, they could chalk it all up to not having Gordon Hayward, and they could say, you know what, like, this is the year of, like, Kyrie betting in as, a, as our face of our franchise, getting Tatum used to things. But they're too good. They're, like, they're too good, the Cavs are too bad, and Boston has a legit shot at the finals. Yeah. So I, I as long as I thought, this will not impact my Anthony Davis package and your Boston. I would make a move for it. Right. But if, if at all you think that this will be, damn, I traded that thing that I could have used for Anthony Davis for Tyreek Evans for a, a rental, then you're an idiot. Yeah. So why not just get rid of their own first round pick? So one of, it, if they're going to be in the bottom five of the first over the next couple of years anyway, I think that's enough of a price. If you feel like the window is right now, and I think it is, for the reason that you just said. LeBron is going to be a terror in the playoffs wherever he is, like whoever's around him. But I think this is, might end up, when we look back, maybe their best chance. Because mm-hmm. there are teams that are coming up. Like, what if the Sixers figure things out? What if Markel Fultz plays and, like, think, like all of a sudden that they're <laughs> a legitimate competition here? You started out and I was nodding. And by the end, you have lost me. But Giannis, completely. like, Giannis could get a jumper and yeah. next year all of a sudden like yeah. he's just unstoppable like you don't know what's to come so if it's not going to damage you too much in the future going for right now makes a little bit of sense do you want I, I like doing this for you do you want to clear out for Terry Rozier here do you want to just <laughs> talk about triple double Terry uh, I saw Haley I looked up what Kyrie Irving had in his first game as a rookie. <laughs> I will tell you as it was as a starter or as a rookie as a starter okay. yeah same, same you thing. know yeah Ah, because it was Terry's first that was, yes, starter. Yes, that was game. his first start. Yes. Yeah. So let's see this line. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a triple double. Six, three, and seven. Wow, Kyrie wow. sucks. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what we can conclude. Yeah. Is that 
So maybe trade Kyrie. Trade Kyrie. Get Tyree. Yeah. Afraid. You Kyrie know. For, <laughs> Kyrie for Tyreek. You don't up. need him. Um, all right. Well, I'm really happy that uh, Boston's doing so well. It's really, it warms my heart. Um, let's take a quick <laughs> break here from our sponsors, and we'll be right back to survey some of the other teams in the league and whether they're at their best or at their worst. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Proper Cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. Something is always off. But thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering just 10 simple questions. It is a godsend for guys like me who often find themselves too short for small sizes. Isn't that weird? Seems tough. I mean, you go around to different stores and you'd be like, oh man, this this small is too tight, this small is too long, this, you know, it's like... I'm stuck in between a medium and a large. That's my problem. And, and do you find that, you know, maybe you should go to Proper Cloth and find yourself a custom shirt size. Sounds great. You can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles from classic to business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake that, John, for free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom for you, starting at just $80. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com NBA today. Enter gift code NBA and save $20 off your first shirt. Do it. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Pro Flowers. Pro Flowers and Sherry's Berries have teamed up to help you really impress your Valentine this year with their perfectly paired collection. Go ahead and think inside the box this Valentine's Day because this really is a -a one-of-a-kind gift. Your bouquet and dipped strawberries will arrive together in a beautiful, specially designed box that will keep your flowers fresh and your berries cold, guaranteed. And right now, our listeners can save 20% off one of their perfectly paired combinations or any gift over $29 with the promo code Ringer. I have a wife who is indifferent towards Valentine's Day, but you know what she's not indifferent towards? Berries. Chocolate dipped strawberries. Same. She's about that life. And this is what I'll be getting her. It's a great gift because you get a little bit of the candy and the flowers all together. I mean, you get the, you know, like the the chocolate dipped strawberries is is nature's candy, I think. Watch out, mom. There's only one way to get 20% off a perfectly paired gift over $29 featuring beautiful blooms from Pro Flowers and freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries. Visit proflowers.com today and enter promo code RINGER at checkout. That's proflowers.com. Enter the code RINGER. Get the berries. Get the flowers. Get the person you love the gift that they want. Get those berries. Welcome back to Molly's Game. It's Chris, <laughs> Haley, and Justin. Haley's Game. Uh, we are talking now. I want to do something called as good as it gets, as bad as it gets. So this is basically taking a survey of a half dozen teams who have been up and down. Are kind you, of trying to figure out who they are. Are you Jack Nicholson? I this? am. Yeah. I, is there, was there, I wish there was a movie as bad as it gets. I think it would make like $11. I'm Greg Kinnear. I'd watch it. <laughs> uh, especially if Jessica Chastain was uh, extorting. No, she never extorts anybody in Molly's Game. That's no. a false spoiler. Right. The bodyguards come and get her. All right. It doesn't have <laughs> a high enough more... box office for you to give away major plot points. That's not a major plot Did you plot think that point. there was not enough cards in Molly's game? You mean like actually showing actually the cards? Like showing poker like playing people playing poker. Was that a was that a real complaint? It yeah. was the most interesting part of the film. I think like the poker scene. It was a complaint from all the people I know who like playing poker were like there wasn't enough poker in Molly's game. It was a complaint from Sean Fennessy, is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> uh no, the best part of Molly's game was Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Maybe. All right. As good as it gets, as bad as it gets. Um Let's talk a little bit about the Cavs, which I feel like all I do is talk about the Cavs, but I want to talk about them specifically on the court where they're still kind of crappy. Uh, They barely beat the Heat last night. um, Well, by two points, I think. God, the Heat had three three three-pointers. Yeah. They turned the ball over 19 times. There was also a lot of Kelly Olynyk top of the key drives for floaters. It was really strange. Mm -hmm. The Heat are a weird hang. Yeah, (laughs) they really are. We can get to the Heat. But the Cavs, they barely beat the Heat. LeBron played 38 minutes. IT, two for 15 from the field. Nine for nine from the free throw line. Not trying to knock him. He was also plus two. So, you know, when you have a defensive dynamo like IT, you can handle two for 15. Is this as bad as it gets for the Cavs, where they are right now? Are they going to improve 
without Kevin Love in the lineup, they're going to be more defensively. I mean, they held Miami to 89. Like, they're, they're going to be more defensively stout. Is it only going to go up from here? Are they going to finally be like, you know what? February's here. Forget January. They had a whole thing about that. Let's take this seriously now. Or, you know, are, are they only going to go up and down because of Isaiah? I've always thought that when the Cavs kind of take a dip or seem like they're taking part of the regular season off, it's my main complaint is always LeBron that playing defense. But LeBron clearly played defense last night. Yeah. So I do think that this is as bad as it gets. Kevin Love is coming back. They are in every trade talk. So I actually feel very optimistic about maybe not their immediate future this month, but when he comes back, which is supposed to be two months, right? I yep. I agree with you. Okay. With this caveat, I've never seen a Cavs team get smoked like the way this team has been getting smoked. I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a Cavs team that gives up 120 and it's not even a surprise. Yeah, this Heat game feels like an aberration just because I assumed it was a low-paced game considering the score was more like 2004 Pistons. But I, I really don't know what to make of wh where they are right now. I still think the same concerns that we had before are present. I mean, Jay Crowder, if anything, has been playing just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I remember there was one game recently where J.R. Smith hit a few threes. I think you're going to get those sort of games that allow them to win here and there. But the big concern is that defensively, they're just as good as the, like the Phoenix Suns, Sacramento Kings. And if Isaiah isn't going to be Kyrie-level offense, which you assumed if he was going to be anything, he would be able to fill that role. Yeah. I just, I don't know what they are right now. Right. Their bench is so inconsistent on offense. Even their starters are so inconsistent on offense that you can't rely on that to make up for the defense, which is truly, Atrocious. truly awful. Atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I, Kevin put something in Slack the other day that was like they had the second worst net rating in the league since Christmas. Sure. I believe it. Wild. Uh, the other t next team I want to do for as good as it gets, as bad as it gets. And this is a team that sort of breaks this, which is the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets just lost by a combined three points to the Spurs and the Celtics. They lost by one to the Celtics, by two to the Spurs. This is after they had won three in a row. This is the story of their season. Three in a row, three in a row, three in a row, three in a row. Up, down, up, down. Right around 500. When you watch them, you talk about the heater a tough hang. Man, the Nuggets are a fun hang. They barely have it together. Like, there's so much Jokic playmaking, but, like, he's such a Bambi on ice before the genius happens. Sure. Where he'll try to dribble and then he gets trapped and then he throws like a no look pass over his head and you know sometimes it's an alley oop and sometimes it goes in the third row and then he has to defend then he has to <laughs> defend yeah we're we're like a year or two away from Jokic getting into the gym in the offseason and coming back ripped yeah because you could definitely tell that there are improvements not only like just with his body but just with his game uh, I like to call him Big Lonzo <laughs> which I promise is an actual compliment. Because he's the type of guy, <laughs> I just think he's like the type of guy you want on your team. He just like makes everything work there. The problem is like without Paul Millsap there anymore and like some of their young guys just not really being all that consistent, like the bench is terrible. And so there just isn't much yeah. depth there. So when you dig a little bit deeper, you watch a little bit lo longer after like the highlight play, you're like, what? what is going on here? Yeah, I really, really like Murray Harris, Jokic. And Lyles. Well, and I, Barton, though. Well, this is the thing is that, and then this is another example like Portland of you had all these pieces that you could have put together in packages, and you've been one of the big, like, we're in the mix for this player. Like, they got their Dwayne Wade meeting. They're always, like, trying to get be a player. And I feel like now it's like, if you guys had invented Facebook, you would have been the inventors of Facebook. Like this is, you guys aren't about that life when it comes to making the big deal. And I just don't understand what they're going to do with all this crap they have on their books now. I, I do think that they could be better. This is not the worst or the... It's not the best or the it's worst. It's not the best. Yeah, it's yeah. not the best because uh, a lot of injuries. Yeah. A lot of very no point frequent injuries. Even, yeah, even against the Thunder tonight, I wrote down who they're probably missing. So Wilson Chandler and Gary Harris are maybes. Plumlee's out for sure. Uh, Leiden's out for sure. So And then obviously Paul. So no, this is not the best they can get. But like you said, it's very fun. All right. 
I just wanted to get my Denver out there. Yeah. Know? No, I, I just, would Kyrie make a difference here? This season. Nuggets? This season. With Jokic, Murray, and Harris? Well, they'd probably have to give up one of those guys if they were to make that deal. Mm. Oh, to make the deal to, to, to Cleveland. Like, if this was last offseason, instead of Phoenix, the popular rumor was Kyrie to Denver. Right, right. And then I think Blake was also, so like, someplace that was, they they were interested in Blake when Blake was possibly going to be a free agent. They were they wanted to get the meeting. Right, and Kevin Love was rumored as being part of the three-way trade with, with Paul George. I guess right. my, my overall point here is, I don't know if you add a superstar to this team if they instantly click and become something. No, I think right. long-term, maybe, but they haven't done a, a great job of filling out the rest of the roster. And you look at the success that the Celtics have had, it's, yeah, Kyrie has been great for what they do, but what they do is the reason why, ultimately, they've been great overall. Do you like watching them? You know, I never used to. I did not. Okay. But recently, yes. Recently, I, I, yes. I enjoy watching them on any given night. Another team that I... I now enjoy watching. I have to, like, I've, I've neglected them. I just have been, just post-Paul George Pacers was, or really, like, post the the George Hill, Paul George, Lance, like, we're going to make a run at this Pacers. I just did, never thought to really watch too much of. God damn, this team is good. <laughs> they are really good. They're top six offense. I still think Old Depot should have started the All-Star game. He's been very good for them. And, and I, Miles Turner. Yeah. Miles Turner's good. I mean, Dad Young hasn't been great. I I actually hate watching them because of their uniforms. Oh, really? I really don't like their uniforms. And I know I think you the guys like them. The circle ones? Yeah, yeah I really just, like them. There's a lot going on. I don't know. It feels like an XFL uniform or something. Wow, I really disagree with you on and that. I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of why I like like watching teams is because of their uniforms. Really? So who who do you think has the best uniform this season? In the league, it's the Celtics. The Celtics are always <sighs> have the best uniforms. God. I love the Vice ones from Miami. I think the Lakers are, are the Bucks the white ones, ones are so nice. The cream Bucks, the cream ones. one, it's love nice. The like cupcakes. Pacers are uh, seven and three in their last ten. They have this explosive offense. They get contributions from pretty much all over their roster. Although obviously they're not super consistent because they're still really young. Last night they had double digits from Thad Bogdanovich. Turner, Collison, Oladipo, so their whole starting lineup, plus Sabonis and Lance, and they get minutes from Corey Joseph, TJ Leaf. You know, they have this, like, they're all playing in the same direction. Like, this is, like, the best you can do when you don't have, like, the superstar player and you're riding the hot, like, Oladipo and Turner as your best two players. Right, and the offense has been the surprise. Yeah. But I do think this is the best they can get because their defense is average. And recently it's been a lot better. But as Caitlin Cooper, who's an SB Nation Pacers writer who you should all follow on Twitter, pointed out, they uh what is that <laughs> just, just throwing out shouts. That's fine. She, seriously, she's follow great. My she, brother does, like, on Twitter. she does great. <laughs> and my daddy just joined yesterday. But she pointed out that they've been playing teams who are losing teams. Yeah. So, of course, you know, we, we always have to consider schedule. So, I think in the month of January, they were a top five defense. But you just have to look at schedule. And I really don't think that their defense is is that great, is even good. I think it's very average. I just think the East is wide open now. And I think that's the big, like, advantage to a team that is consistent, that has something going, has kind of figured themselves out at this point in the season. Uh, the Bucks are on the rise a little bit. The Sixers are hanging in there. But above the Pacers, who are th- six right now, you have the Wizards, who just lost John Wall. Yep. And the Heat, who you'd expect them to maintain in the playoff field, but I'm just not a big believer of them as like a top-end sure. home-court advantage in the first-round sort of team. Pa- the reason I brought the Pacers up is that they're a possible first-round Cavs opponent. Ooh, I like it. So, it'd be pretty interesting. That would be very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, the, the thing that's really interesting about Cleveland hanging around this three is they, they could see the Pacers or the Wizards in the first first round. That'd be a nice parallel or, or kind of full circle to uh, LeBron always playing the Pacers with the Heat. Yeah. And right. just now they might be the type of team that can oh, knock them out. When Roy Hibbert. Downside. I miss you. Uh, maybe yeah. they could bring him back in just for the, just for the playoffs. We can bring they him really back in. He's like down the street. Seriously, uh, the Wiz, though. Let's talk about the Wiz. Is this as good or as bad as it gets? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that not Ewing theory, because John Wall is one of my three or four favorite NBA players. Like, just personal preference mm-hmm. but 
Are the Brad Beal Wizards the way forward for Washington? No. No, they're not. You I understand that naturally when you're you have a one and two best player and they're pretty um exchangeable. When one of them goes out, the other one just has more room to work. Right. But in the long term, absolutely not. First of all, they the they've won two games without him since he's been out again. The first one was against a Division II Atlanta Hawks team. <laughs> the second one was against OKC, where Rush shot terribly, and they don't have Andre Roberson anymore. And as much as I love Terrence Ferguson, his dunks and his athleticism, I think he had zero points last night. Yeah, he was minus 11. And Patterson had zero points, too. <laughs> yeah. So we just can't be like, oh, they beat OKC. How amazing. I don't think they're better with John Wall. I, don't I think, think that's that a silly thing to say. I, I would not say that they were better with John Wall, but what happens... Or when without this, him, sorry. W- without him. But what happens when this stuff happens, when, when when an injury like this happens, but there's still another star. This is like when Lillard m- m- misses six weeks and you get a strange, like, CJ-centric Blazers for a while. Shout out, CJ. Shout Whew. out to CJ. Jesus. But this is the same thing. Brad played 41 minutes, scored 21 points, had nine assists last night. And all the other guys, you see Porter get 25 all of a sudden. Right. Just goes off. You know, I, I mean, what? But I, Porter is, <laughs> oh my God. he. I have a beef with him. What? He's so inconsistent this season. Yeah. But that, I think that's because of the way that he has been fitting in or fitting out with this team this year. I mean, by all accounts, it's like Porter's eating by himself. They're not like inviting Porter to this shindig you know like I okay think that, but reports said he skipped the rolex party i thought it was that he wasn't invited oh i don't know i thought he skipped i could take his rolex yeah seriously I th- have you did you didn't come to my rolex party <laughs> i mean you know i had things to do you have a swatch uh, uh yeah <laughs> i would just look at two different things here one it's the same thing we've been saying about the wizards for two years now is that they just have such a razor thin margin of error simply because they're so loaded in the front court, but not, or excuse me, in the back court, but not the front court. Uh, Markeith Morris, inconsistent all the time. Marcin Gortat, kind of in and out. Like, I don't know what you can really so expect for someone. He's ever age. in? Well, he plays. <laughs> yeah. But not necessarily in in terms of like, being an impact I think the team plays better player. when he plays because yeah. of the, all the pick and roll stuff they run. Right. And then, which gets me to the next point, which is, I think it also speaks to perhaps the dis- diminishment of kind of a more traditional get everyone involved point guard like John Wall is. Yes. And you look like they've done okay with Sadoransky. Um, Although maybe John Wall doesn't get people as involved as... It could be that too. As he should. He does get in these modes where it's just all John Wall ball. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of loses sight of everyone else. But no, I, I just I think it's tough when you again you have so much money wrapped up in one player and one player who doesn't do everything for you. He's very much uh, a liability in terms of just gravity, in terms of drawing guys out to the perimeter. And I think you can see that having sort of a trickle down effect. Now I still think he has a big impact on this team. I remember earlier when he went out, uh, it took Brad Beal a while to get off and going. So I wonder if there is a course correction coming as Haley is suggesting. But I think it's interesting. I think long term, we're going to be talking about this. I don't see them figuring this out in the next four years. Otto is another guy who, like you were talking about earlier, maybe shouldn't have got the max. Oh, yeah. But you have to give it to him to to keep it. Right. The only thing the Wizards have done in terms of team building is draft guys highly and then pay them the max whenever it's possible. Yeah. And they haven't done any other move that's really padded their roster since. That's why they're always trading a pick at the deadline because they need just another guy in order to push them over the top. And this is, and I think that you, I, I think that it would have been interesting if they had signed Otto and then gotten, done what to Otto what the Clippers did to Blake on a much like lesser scale, obviously, and said, great, you're signed. Someone out there wants a 3 and D guy, and they're, they've got the money to pay for it. I like, think that's what they should do. May, and maybe they will. Right. But I think that you see the, the Wizards typically, like, are traditional, like a more traditional team. And I think that they are a little bit more like, these are the guys we have for the next six years. Let's see if we can make something happen. And you know what? Like, they got they got to six games with Boston. Like sure. they 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 did it. They got into the mix with Boston, but I think that they've just tried to go over the top one too many times with the same group. And and the auto trade is really unless they want to do something wild and swap wall for somebody for a package. This is this is as good as it's going to get probably for them. Okay, last one, Lakers. Ooh, I don't understand this Lakers team because I I I I feel like in this Lakers team you see all the competing competing concepts of themselves that they have. Mm. Are they bottoming out? 
they don't have their pick, so there's really not that much of an incentive to do that, right? Right. Are they a home for superstars? Well, you know, that's it's not always the kindest environment for superstars here. You know, in Los Angeles has got like a pretty tough you know, you see what happened with all the guys in the Clippers. The, the Lakers Wait, haven't Howard. had a superstar in a while since Kobe, but there's something here where it's like, are, what do they have to do to make themselves attractive to a superstar arrival? You don't think that Chris Paul is a superstar? I don't think Chris Paul was ever, we talked about this yesterday on Sources Say, I don't think he was ever on the level of Kobe. No, clearly not. But I would say that he's a superstar. I don't know if he's lovable. Hmm. That. He's that like, qualifies somebody as a superstar? Yep. He's like me. We're tough to be loved. <laughs> don't you think that, don't you think Steph's lovable? Oh, I'm talking of course. superstar. I'm I went, talking- when I went to Oracle, he, he, tur- he like threw the ball to the ref like a football and it like went a little bit right of the ref and he turned to the crowd and he shrugged and like three sections could not stop laughing. Yes. Yes. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like that before. I, I think that that's... I, people often talk about these tiers of players. And to me, superstar is actually... Doesn't always have to do with your stats and your basketball ability or like even how many rings you've won. Or your it has to ranking do or with a whatever. magnetism that's almost hard to quantify. Okay. And to me, Chris is not the most in, lovable player from a fan perspective. That's not an indictment of he might be one of the two or three best point guards of all time. Like, okay. But in terms of like iconic, I'm here, I'm Kobe, I built this city, that's that's a whole other thing. And I think that that's still a shadow lo- looming over the Lakers. Um, Brooke Lopez played nine minutes last <laughs> night, only played like a minute in the second half. Uh, so you would have to assume he's either a trade or buyout candidate. His, he's, this, he's in the last year of his relatively expensive deal. They're still sitting on Clarkson. They're still sitting on Randall, both of whom will get paid next year, probably not by the Lakers. Ingram is really good, but maybe not every night. And Lonzo, every time he starts to put it together, goes out with a, an injury. Right. I think that uh, Ingram and Lonzo are both players they're going to bet on. Uh, I think you're what who was it that Clarkson was just rumored to the Cavs the Cavs yeah I'd love that um yeah I think that this are you saying this is as good as it gets for the Lakers this is a tough one I just want to know like what are they doing this season is yeah are they trying to be better than this or they try to be worse than this I think they're just waiting but they're trying to get rid of these guys are they just going to say screw it we'll go into the end of the season and let Randall Clarkson and Lopez walk you could say this about them the past five years. Yeah. And and that's the major indictment of the entire organization is that they pretended that they haven't been taking, but they have. Uh, and now you get to the point where their only game plan going forward is to hope that the lack of success that they've had in free agency just completely turns itself around because they have magic, because they have Palenka, because they've kind of at least messaged that they've changed the entire kind of uh, look of the franchise. They're no longer the sad sack team from two years ago. No longer Mitch Kupchak, an older guy. Uh, They're no, no longer Kobe and like a cover right. band of like Lou Wills and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So I think this deadline is going to be super instructive about where they are going forward because if they don't make a trade, I know uh, someone was talking about this the other day, just the fact that they didn't get in to the Blake Griffin Derby, that they didn't get, that they probably won't get into the the DJ market. We'll see. Uh, they're clearly hoping that this offseason something comes together. And if it doesn't, I think we're at the point where we really need to to look at the Lakers franchise, organization, some of the genie buses of the world and say, like, what have they done and what are they doing here? Yeah, because I think what's going to happen is that if they don't do something significant at the trade deadline, which by all accounts they might not, then I think that you're going to start to say, okay, well, they're, they're waiting for LeBron. They're waiting to find out about LeBron. And if they right. don't get LeBron, then they're going to say, well, the plan was always 2018 and the guy, the plan was always 2019 and that class. Right. And we're, we're, we're developing our young talent. And right. it's Kuzma and Ingram and Ball. But if they want to make a trade, they unfortunately have too good of a player in Kuzma. And people are going to ask for Kuzma if they want DeAndre, if they want some of these other stars out there. And, and I think that there's going to be a competing impulse within that franchise for Big names versus slow development. Right. And teams are going to make them work to get off those contracts yeah. that they need to clear for this offseason. Yes. If everyone sees that coming, nobody's going to want to help the Lakers. No one ever wants to help the Lakers. That's a really good point. And Palinka sounded very passive 
when he was talking about the trade deadline. He said, yeah, if people come to us, but it didn't sound like he was reaching for anyone or being aggressive for anyone. I really think the plan is this summer. But what I'm wondering is, what if people don't come this summer? Yeah. Then are they going to sign a bunch of guys for way too much money and get into the same cycle that they've been in? Right. I believe very much in Lakers exceptionalism. I think that's very much a thing. I think a guy like Paul George is the shining example of that, that he wanted to go there above anywhere else, even though there wasn't anything there. Having said that, uh, it can't just be all that. And I think that's what we're going to find out. But you know what, though? Here's the thing I always think about with this. Someone Haley's age... You've spent most of your like so you're you're in your early twenties. Mm-hmm. The last five years of your life, the Lakers have been bad, right? Like the last That's true. The last almost ten years of your life, the Lakers have been pretty bad. I mean, they went to the finals and they won in two thousand and eight, right? Right. And then they were there in ten. Oh yeah, they won the one in ten. Right? They lost to Boston and then beat Boston. Right. right. So and then pretty much it's been a slow decline to where we are now. Yeah, Paul George still believes in the Lakers exceptionalism. Maybe even LeBron believes in Lakers exceptionalism in his, like, I'm a Cowboys fan way. Mm-hmm. But sooner or later, people who are younger than Haley are going to be like, I grew up thinking the Clippers were pretty good. Mm. You know what I mean? I grew up in a time when the Lakers were not even in the late part of the playoffs, if at all in the playoffs at all. And that's going to start to affect the public perception of them. You don't think people are still going to hang on to... Oh, Kobe and Magic. Yeah, I think Kobe is going to loom large, but I always, I, I especially at the end of his career, I started to separate Kobe from the team because Kobe separated himself from the team. Clippers need better jerseys if they want to be players. There you go. They need they, maybe Celtics green. There you go. Okay. Uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy, thanks for joining us. Justin Verrier, thank you for joining us. Always. Uh, we will see you in Golden State. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.